I think of longevity is you have to do certain things right. It's like an onion. There's different layers to the onion. And in the inner layers, you have to do some of the work yourself. For example, the big four, when it comes to personal responsibility and longevity, you have to sleep well. You have to eat nutritious, whole nutritious food. You have to manage your stress levels. You have to exercise. Exercise is, if it was a pill, it would be a trillion dollar pill. Just that alone, it's so beneficial. If you can do these four basics right, then you're ready for the next step. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Faraz Khan. Using his expertise in computer science, Faraz worked with some of the largest companies in the world in media and entertainment, pharma, and life sciences. However, a few years ago during a visit to his parents, he noticed that they were aging and experiencing a decline in energy levels, having more wrinkles, and more aches and pains. This realization caused him to research ways to help his parents become healthier and more active so that they could enjoy fun experiences together, including his mother's dream of traveling the world. Faraz started researching ways to slow down the aging process and attended conferences on health and anti-aging. He listened to podcasts and read published scientific studies where he learned that there have been many scientific advancements and a vastly improved understanding of human biology over the past 15 years that can help slow down the aging process today and turn back the biological clock by many years. He also discovered that there are very promising developments unfolding over the next five to 10 years that may make diseases like heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, and diabetes a thing of the past. Motivated by his newfound knowledge, Faraz launched the Anti-Aging Hacks podcast, where he provides the latest and best information on how to slow down and even reverse aging. The podcast features interviews with renowned and published experts in the exciting world of anti-aging and longevity every single week. His goal is to provide people with the best and most current anti-aging and longevity expert advice in a simple way that they can follow along with. Faraz hopes to help people understand that making 60 to new 30 may no longer have to be just a silly catchphrase and to stay young and prosper. Please welcome Faraz Khan to the show. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today I have Mr. Faraz Khan. He is an expert at anti-aging and longevity, as well as a hair loss expert. And I'm very much excited for this conversation because longevity has been something that has been discussed with me and my life uh, for a long time now. Unfortunately, we've experienced anti-longevity in both of our families, and we want to live longer than some of our family members have done in the past. And one of the things that we've always strived to do is help other people with the information that we can gather and therefore bringing on experts like yourself and then sharing that is something that I'm very passionate about. So before we jump into all the good stuff here today, how are you doing for us? I'm doing great, CJ. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's going to be a good convo. And I wanted to kick it off because hair loss isn't something that I've actually ever thought about only because fortunately uh, in my family, all my grandparents still had their hair. Teeth is another issue um, that has been something that has like hindered a lot of people in my family, but hair has never been a problem. So it's not something that I necessarily have felt, but I know it's something that for a lot of men and women out there, it is something that creates uh, a lot of anxiety and stress. And we were talking about this before the show. It's something that relates to everybody, like hair, um, especially when you're growing up and I can remember having a bowl cut as a little kid, it's just like getting picked on for your haircuts. And then it, it doesn't go away when you get older, it kind of gets even worse. You get in your own head. So I'd love to start this conversation off with how this even became something that not only did you get obsessed with, but now you're providing solutions for other people, uh, with hair loss and then also anti-aging. Yeah, totally. Um, I was in college, soccer athlete, top of the world confident as fuck. I thought I was the man. And then 
one morning I'm in the shower, like I'm shampooing my hair and I look down at my hands and I'm like, oh my God, full of my hair. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What the fucking fuck? Like, this is crazy. I can't lose my hair. I'm not losing my hair. And so I started thinking about how, what's happening, why? And I said, my father's side has gorgeous hair. My grandfather had more hair than me, even at, at 19 or 20. And uh, on my mother's side, all my uncles were bald. I'm like, fuck, it's in the family. It's coming. And so I went on the crazy, my stress levels went from four to 11, like right away. And uh, my confidence started to crater, as you can imagine, as a young man. But you can't, you have gorgeous hair. But uh, if somebody's listening, they've experienced hair loss, man or woman, it just messes with your confidence. And so I'm out there trying things, man. I went to an Ayurvedic doctor, holistic doctor. He mixed up some oils. And these oils, like, they stunk, dude. Like, like actually physically like smelled or like yeah. stunk as in they didn't work? No, they physically <laughs> smelled. So I had to put a towel and they said, you have to apply it overnight because it's got to stay on the scalp. You know, it's got to do its thing. And so like you put a towel on your pillow and you sleep and in the morning, the towel is green and shit. And, and then like you go take a shower and the bathroom is all smelly. And so it wasn't, it wasn't fun. I was trying all kinds of different things. And, you know, I can talk about that in, in more detail later, but tried all these things Nothing really worked, it slowed it down. And then it just kept getting worse because then I was in grad school uh, doing computer science, which is very, very tough. And so there's stress-related hair loss that's going. At 26 or before 26, I'm at the point where I'm remembering my mother telling me this story when a man comes or a child comes into manhood. It's got this peach fuzz, right? A little mustache-ish. And your mom tells you, don't shave it off. I want you to look young and stay my little boy and not be a man. And at some point you shave it off and you get coarser, thicker hair. And so the wife's tale is that if you shave any hair off, you get thicker, coarser hair. And I said, I said, whoa, does that apply to my scalp? Can I shave my scalp off or my head off and I can get better hair? And so as an act of desperation, I would start every eight months, I started shaving my scalp. I'm like, okay. Completely bald? Completely bald, right? And it's, I don't look good bald. It's embarrassing, but I would do it on a Friday evening after work, right? Because I'm not going out that weekend. This is the weekend. I would do it on Friday evening. And so in a two and a half days before Monday, I'd have a little bit of a stubble. So it's not like I'm bald. I still got something going, right? It's, it's, it messes with you, man. And so I did that many, many times. And 26 years old, I'm talking to my buddy. We're out to lunch, co-worker, and I say something about my hair, right? I, and I've been thinking about my hair all day, every day. If you're losing your hair, that's all you think about, right? You think about nothing else, and nobody knows what you're thinking about. You're thinking about your hair, right? So we're in the car, and I say something, and he goes, yeah, how's your hair, blah, blah, blah. And I go, dude, I think I'm going to be bald in six months. I've been fighting this and fighting this and fighting this and I'm just losing, right? I'm about to give up. And he said something. He's like, yeah, I understand. You know, not not everybody gets everything in life. And I just slept on that for a few days. I was super depressed. I was ready to give up. And I woke up a few days later and I said, fuck no, I'm not ready to give up. So I started calling all the hair transplant surgeons in the area. I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm going to get a hair transplant age 26 go around meet some of them one lady she's uh, very nice she goes you're not ready for a transplant yet because you haven't lost a lot of hair in one area but you're i can see you're losing hair but i got something for you i got a i got a pill that's gonna help you i'm like cool it will stop my hair loss she goes absolutely it might even give you some of your hair back i was like what why have i not known about this and she goes well here's the downsides like okay what is it she goes well it can mess with your function down there libido strength of your erection sperm motility etc etc and i go hell no this sounds crazy i'm not doing it leave go home a week later hundreds of hair on the pillow i'm like i'm desperate now dude it's now or never so i called her i'm like give me the damn pill i'm gonna go get it so that was the backstory of how i started this journey and i'll pause there but a lot of pain, and um, that was a turning point in my life. I've had multiple turning points with my hair, 
But that was where I'd sunk to the lowest possible point and I found a way out. Did you tell anybody how you felt? No. When you're a young male, other young males make fun of you. Men are vicious to each other in a friendly banter way, but we're vicious. So by the time I was 22, senior in college, I, we lived in a high-rise apartment building. When I would walk down to go to college, my friends would yell at me and say, hey, Baldy, because they could see my thinning scalp from like 11 floors above, right? So men are vicious to each other. You don't talk about this. Maybe once a year you'd say something, once a year. But every day out of 60,000 thoughts or whatever we have, 30,000 are about my hair. It's that crazy. I empathize with this because of my stomach, like something that I'd revolve my whole life around growing up was where a bathroom would be. So struggling with celiac disease, I didn't know I had that at the time. There was no name for what I was struggling with. It was just like, oh, IBS or he has anxiety and it's causing gastro problems but I realized as I aged how much time and energy was consumed by worry and how much the worry affected my stomach. Did you find that to be some of the case for your hair loss? Was you actually obsessing over the lost hair, creating more hair loss? Is that a thing? Absolutely. It's a thing. Stress shortens your hair cycle and it causes increased hair shedding. I didn't know this back in the day. I just learned this three years ago when I started deep research, four years ago when I started deep research into hair and created products about hair wellness. And it absolutely does shorten that. So you, the, it's a conundrum, right? Because you're losing something that's part of your body. You feel like, what's wrong with me? Why is this going? And so you can't stop thinking about it. But the fact that you're thinking about it in a negative fashion is causing exacerbation of the problem. And... That's what I, now I talk to women that call me a lot uh, or call their customer service line and I talk to them. I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, oh, I'm losing a lot of hair and I'm stressed. I'm like, okay, we got to calm down the stress because I can help you in a lot of ways. We can give you products, but if you're stressed, they're not even going to work half as well. So that's one of the key facets that I go after now. In fact, I'm even thinking about releasing a meditation, heal your hair, heal your life that you must do every day while you're on the program. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's not something that I recognize until later on in life. It's not really talked about how, because like you said, when you're up in your own mind, you don't know what's like normal and what's not normal. To you, like thinking about it was normal until somebody kind of intervenes or something intervenes and was like, dude, like that's not normal. What causes hair loss in the first place? So I guess, let me re rephrase that. What causes hair loss at such a young age? Because as people age, nobody would bat an eye at 60, 70, 80-year-old losing his hair. But somebody in their 20s, what is the physical or chemical cause of that? Yeah, totally. For men, typically men, young men lose their hair, not young women. And for men, it's a hormone. It's basically a so testosterone in men converts to this other hormone called dihydrotestosterone, DHT. And the DHT is what's what causes problems. It goes to your scalp and it starts to thin your hair follicles. So for people that are listening, if you're in the shower, an easy way to do this is you're in the shower, you're you know shampooing your hair. Uh, you'll notice some hairs on your hand. That's totally normal. Take these hairs and stick them on the tile, right? Stick them side by side, vertically, and you'll notice, if you notice that some hairs are thinner than others, some are normal thickness and some are thinner, then that's typically hormonal, the effects of DHT that are going on, right? Also what DHT does is it shortens your hair growth cycle and increases your hair resting cycle where the hair is not on your scalp. So it even gives off the appearance that you have less hair than you actually do. And so that is why it's very important, at least for young men, to address the hormonal aspects of hair loss quickly while it's in its infancy before too much progression because when it's gone too far then it makes our job that much harder to bring it back how does this apply to longevity and like anti-aging 
How did you make that connection? Totally. So when I started my podcast and and the anti-aging, I was a management consultant before this in Los Angeles, and I decided that I needed to follow a new career. And I was researching a lot of areas or a lot of industries that I can get into, and I settled on longevity, partly because I... I want to be in this area. I want to be in this really cool new science that's going to change the way we live. And so when I started that, I started a podcast and I started interviewing a lot of experts in the area. And then I said, I asked myself, what is my problem? What is the biggest insecurities that I have in the health and wellness space that I can solve now that I have access to experts, right? And the first thing that's been on my mind for 20 years is hair loss. Like, is there actually a way? to do something naturally. And so I started researching, I'm like, where are the big hair loss conferences? Where can I go meet the top Gs, right? The top experts in the world. There was a conference happening in Thailand five days later. It was the World Congress. And I go, I gotta go to this. And so I got on that plane four days later, flew to Thailand, spent five days, didn't go out one night, spent five days, would show up at 7 a.m., at the seminar conference area before even the... That is badass. And where'd you fly from? LA. LA? Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, I just was searching. I was so hungry for answers. I went out there, talked to hair transplant surgeons, talked to stem cell experts, talked to people that have been in this space for 20 years, talked to a guy that's been creating um, uh, shampoos for 20 years for the biggest firms in the world, right? And so... Got a lot of insider information, then came back and I said, okay, I got enough, but I need more. So all the connections I'd made, I'm like, hey, I'm coming to visit you. So I'd fly to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Austin, uh, multiple cities around, and uh, Atlanta, multiple cities. And then went and interviewed each of them individually, sat like this, you and I, in front of the camera, behind the camera. They took me where the hair transplant was going on, showed me how to make incisions, how they were doing it, the signs behind it. Um, I attended a PRP session where they were injecting you know, uh, your own blood into your uh, scalp that helps improve thickness. And so I saw a lot of behind the scenes of what was going on. And that really gave me the confidence and the knowledge that there is something that could be done in the natural sphere. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways I want to go with this. Um, Because you're dialing into entrepreneurial side now where you're making a quick decision of going to Thailand, you're piecing together a problem that you have that seemed to you like other people were struggling with it as well because you're going to this conference. And then you're also trying to crack into a completely new industry because you had a job prior to that. These are all points that I want to touch on. And I think We'll start with something that a lot of people struggle with, especially those listening to this show, is having that idea just like you did and knowing it when a good time to jump. Was there anything going on in your life or was there like a breaking point where you were spending time as a management consultant and you realized, okay, I need to pivot into this completely new industry and new pathway of my life and I can't wait one more day what a beautiful question by the way this was this process took me months actually years I don't know for some reason in my early 20s in my 30s I knew that I was meant to do something big I don't know what it was there's some feeling inside me there's a spark that's just there And out here, I'm living my life, I'm traveling the world, I'm spending all the money I'm making, I'm just living large, right? And in Los Angeles, I had a great group of friends, we're having fun, I'm doing a good job, but I know that that's not my main gig. I've known it my whole life. And so the question becomes, what do you do, and when do you do it? When's the right time to make the jump? And I labored over this question for so long, for so long, because it's a you have to go to the edge of the abyss, and you have to jump. And you don't know if you're going to succeed, when you're going to succeed, how you're going to... You don't know anything. You're just jumping, right? It's blind faith. And you don't know how big, how deep this ravine is, how big the chasm is. You have no idea. 
you have to jump. And you don't even know if you can swim. You don't even know if you can swim. <laughs> and to make it worse, you're entering a new industry. Like if you've been in the digital marketing space or you've been selling physical products or doing something or podcasting for 10 years, it's easy, right? Because you have insider knowledge of what it takes. But for me, I was completely, it was cold turkey, jumped into it. And I'd, I'd read so much. I watched so many YouTube videos. I went to Tony Robbins multiple times, like the, the big event, the Date with Destiny. And then I went to the UPW multiple times. And at the end of Date with Destiny, I said, that's it. I'm quitting tomorrow. Like I'm, I'm done, right? Then I call my mom the next day. I'm like, mom, I'm quitting my job. She goes, no. She goes, no, don't do it. I'm like, what? I, I paid Tony six grand. Like, and that's just gone down the drain because now you've you inserted doubt in my mind again. So it took me another three months to quit, but I decided at that point that I was gonna I was gonna take the plunge, and I'd given myself enough evidence. And here's the evidence I was giving myself. I was watching um, what's his, the guy's name from Israel, uh, Noav Haridi, that that wrote the book Sapiens. I was watching his interview on YouTube, and he goes, "AI is coming." It's coming and it's going to upend everything we know about the world. And people are going to have to change their careers every decade, maybe sooner. And I go, perfect. Then if I have to do that in the future, might as well start now because then I can change even faster. And so that was, I keep, I keep remembering that one interview because I'm like, I've been scared to do this for the last few years and I've been delaying it and delaying it. Let's, let's, let's just go because it's going to happen in the future regardless and you have very small amount of time to actually make something before AI like upends everything. I didn't know it was going to happen this soon. Like chat GPT-4 is live now. So I thought I had 10 years. What a cool story. And it hits home with me and most likely so many others where on the outside, if you looked at it, it's like, oh, he like, he just decided this one way and he had it figured out and he jumped into this new, what did you call it? Ravine? <laughs> Um, but it, it never works that way. And it always works in the right way for you. And I think too many people, they go to Tony Robbins are like, what is the right way to go about this rather than ask themselves, what would be right for me? And it looks completely different to, to everyone out there. Have you ever read the book, uh, the almanac of Naval Ravikant? I've been, um, reading it online on my Kindle. So that was a major help for me because in it, they he, he just talks about like, like learn how to build, sell, and tell stories. Preferably all three. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you can survive literally any kind of like shift in the world because the builders, the sellers, and those that can tell great stories have survived centuries and it's going to be the same case. Uh, so one of the reasons that I even started a podcast because it's just like, okay, you're building something, you're telling stories, and you have to sell every episode that you get on here. So it's just like teaching me that iteration. And then it, whether I, whether like the world continues to grow in the podcast, it, for now it looks like for 10 years, like this next thing is going to be podcasts and, and how does AI integrate into information and media and stuff like that. So we're in a great space to be, to be in. Why a podcast for you though? Why was that one of the first things that you jumped into? Because you mentioned that when I asked you to tell a little bit of your story, you're like, oh, I started a podcast, like as if it was a no fucking brainer. Mm. But most people don't think like that. So why was it a podcast that you jumped headfirst into? Totally. I, I had such little background about what I wanted to do in longevity. And the reason I got into longevity was twofold. One... I go visit my parents once a year. Every time I see them, I get the guilt trip from mom. Why don't you come visit us more often? Like, why are you so far away? Is this the meaning of life? Is this why we're on this earth, just to live so far away and never see each other? And I always felt guilty when I was there because here I am. I would try to take the vacation I had and go to Europe for 10 days and then and then go see my mom. Do you ever ask them why don't they come to you? I do, and they just don't. It's like... This is their happy place, right? With their friends and family around them. I know, I know. I could turn the tables too. But uh, it's always like, no, I'm you I'm just have being to a dick. Like yeah, <laughs> I've, I've thrown that on my parents because it's a similar uh, thing. So I know, I know what it goes through, but not to distract from no, no. where you were going. Totally. And so my counter, or my, my thought process was, okay, fine. 
I see that every time I come here, I see you have more wrinkles, you're walking slower, you have less energy, and I don't like this, but I also feel guilty now. So what can we do to help you stay vibrant for as long as possible so we can do things together? And it's not like I only have two more years or three more years before you can't travel with me, right? And so that led me into researching anti-aging and longevity. And what I found was the rabbit hole went super deep. And this was in 2018, 2017, 2018, which is like, seems like eons ago compared to now, especially all the research that's happening. And that was one of them. I said, you know, can I make the smallest dent in this space? And I said, possibly I can. Um, and am I interested in this for myself? Hell yes. I want to look young and sexy when I'm 90 years old, right? Hell yeah. So I'm like, okay, there's a personal reason to get into it. There's a philanthropic reason to get into it. And sure, I'm going to do this. So the point is, I got into a new field, which I knew nothing about except for some research papers I'd read. And I said, how do I get to know everybody in this space, right? Um, and that the answer came to me one night, or a friend suggested this to me, said, start a podcast. Just nonchalantly, I go, no, I'm terrified of starting a podcast because I don't like the sound of my voice and who's going to listen to me. People are going to reject me. It's not like something I can do. And I can't believe this decision. I sweated over it so much. I'm like, no, like nobody's ready to hear my voice. It took me months to finally de decide to start a podcast because I just had to, uh, I guess, wrestle with my own insecurities in life. And that was just the beginning of all the insecurities I've dealt with. Uh, but the podcast gave me a platform to talk to tons of people. In the marketing world, if you could try go try to talk to Gary Vee, well, his access is limited because everybody wants to talk to Gary Vee. But in the longevity world, the researchers, the experts are much more accessible because they're not like, not everybody's hunting down the doors. Or at least they weren't in 2018 or 2019, right? And so you have ac access to all the experts. They're willing to talk to you. They're happy to talk to you. And you can learn a lot broadly of the industry before you decide to go niche down into something yeah it's a wonderful strategy that that you took on it's just like if you want to learn anything new the best way i feel like is just to talk to other people one of the reasons i feel like is because you learn almost like what not to do and that's where one of the favorite questions i had for today um was we live in, you mentioned in 2018, it was kind of like this new thing, right? And now it's just like everything, longevity, health, the marketing behind that and the machine behind that is alive and well. You go on Instagram, you're getting hit with an ad of this supplement, this device, this tool. In the anti-aging and longevity space, what is a common thing that you feel people are being sold on that it's kind of like, what is the word for it? It's kind of like if you were to like go to a gym and not work out and then take a magic pill thinking that because you took the pill, you're going to lose the weight, but you didn't do the workout. What is that in the anti-aging and longevity space, if there's any? Yeah, it's really interesting. Like you said, the machine is alive and it's it's now ramping up pretty rapidly in that space. And so the way I think of longevity is you have to do certain things right. It's like an onion. There's different layers to the onion. And in the inner layers, you have to do some of the work yourself. For example, the big four, when it comes to personal responsibility and longevity, you have to sleep well. You have to eat nutritious, whole nutritious food. You have to manage your stress levels. These are some of the things you have to exercise. That exercise is, if it was a pill, it would be a trillion dollar pill. Just that alone. It's so beneficial. If you can do these four basics right, then you're ready for the next step, which might be a supplementation protocol of some sort, because presumably, you know, the earth doesn't have as many minerals or what have you. So then all the supplement manufacturers are like, well, you're low on this, this, and this. You have to take 100 supplements. And I know people that are taking 100 supplements for longevity. Fair. If that's what you want to do, go for it. That's the next level. Then there's a next level of, okay, let's get into peptides and injections and these super cool molecules or little proteins that can do things in your body. So now you start injecting 
peptides to help skin, to help your hair or whatever else you're interested in to help you lose weight. So then you add on peptides. Then somebody comes along and says, I got the perfect stem cell injection for you. It's going to cost you 120 grand, but it's going to work. And so you go, what's the studies behind it? Well, stem cells have generally helped people with this and that and pain and chronic inflammation. Okay, that might help with anti-aging. Is there a hardcore study where stem cells have increased lifespan by 10 years? No, we don't have it. But in the longevity world, it's like if you're not doing the basics right and you go want to spend 30 grand or 100 grand on stem cell injections, it's not going to help you because if your sleep sucks for five nights in a row, you're now going to become insulin resistant. You're going to have high cortisol and high stress. That's going to upend and going to destroy all the benefits that the stem cells gave you. So a lot of people in the space that have money to spend get caught up in the hype and say, well, I want this latest biohacking device because here's this one research study behind it that says it does this. I want that. But in the meantime, you're ignoring all the basics and you're not layering on the onion like you should be. So that's my biggest pet peeve is, listen, everybody that makes a, a service or a product has a duty to market it. I get it. They got to tell stories. They got to be good at sales. They got to build a nice product. I get it. From a longevity standpoint, though, I stand behind you want to get the basics down. You want to get hot and cold therapy in. You want to exercise. You want to move your body. If you're not doing that, then stem cells are not going to help you. Let's flip this. If you had $100 or less, what would you buy for longevity? For longevity? I would go back to the four basics that I, I just said, right? I got to sleep right. So if there's something I can do to improve my sleep for $100, which is hard to do, a weighted blanket would be a big one. Oof, I use one That's every a night. great one. I use one every night. $64. Super cheap. That's what I would go with. Improve your sleep. Yeah. I, I discredited for so long how much sleep mattered and not necessarily the quality of the sleep but the time, timing of the sleep, meaning I knew that like getting quality sleep mattered. But what I was discrediting was when I could go to sleep, when I could wake up, if I threw myself off for a day, how that impacts multiple days. I didn't really understand the compound interest of things. And once I got a whoop and an aura ring, I could see that like, okay, when I get sick, I can tell three days in advance mm -hmm. and my heart rate was elevated three days prior. So when you can see the data, you start saying, oh, I'm starting to get sick. In my eyes, anti-aging is, okay, I'm understanding I'm starting to get a little bit under the weather. Now is when I take the supplement. Now is when I take the extra precautions and the things to prevent myself from having a, a little traumatic experience in my life. And then also the anti-aging is investing in things that help me prevent from getting to that point in the first place. For you, what is the protocol that you're using today that you believe is your right way? Because it's different for everybody. So I just described kind of like how I look at it and how I look at keeping myself in a, in a mindset of I want to live a long, healthy life. For me, it has been sleep lately, just studying that and understanding how do I keep myself optimal? And if I feel like I'm not optimal, what am I supplementing with to get there? Mm -hmm. But because everybody has different issues and different ways of life, maybe you're traveling more, maybe you have kids, uh, maybe you have a lot of work stress that's happening, it's different for everybody. So for Faraz, what, what does it look like for you? Totally, yeah. This is a great question. I would start with the mental side of things first. And so <clears throat> this might be new to some listeners. I know in my mind that I'm going to be vibrant and kicking ass at 100 years old, right? If you know this, so I learned this from a podcast I was listening with Joe Polish, I believe, um, he on his guest had a bunch of people come in for a seminar and he said, okay, how long are you going to live? And everybody wrote down a number like 85 or whatever, 75 or whatever. And he goes, okay, imagine, or let me ask you this. 
how how do you want to feel a year before you're supposed to die, right? At 84. They go, I want to feel great. I want to feel this. I want to feel that. I want to be traveling. And he goes, if you are that a year before, do you think you're going to die? They're like, hell no. So when are you really going to die? Now, the, the number went up by 15 years. So he goes, I just gave you 15 more years of life, right? So I that plays in my mind over and over. So if I just set my standard of I'm going to be kicking ass at 100 years old, I'm running my business, I'm going to be doing this for the next whatever, right? Until I'm 100. That's a whole different mindset, first of all. Then, oh, like at 60, I got to slow down and retirement's coming up and I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe garden at 67, right? When I retire. No, I'm going to be kicking ass at 75 and 85. So number one, if you're not thinking like, if your North Star isn't like, I'm going to be kicking ass at 100, then you're thinking about this the wrong way. So I would encourage and invite listeners to think about you know, what do you want to be doing at 120? Can you play tennis? Can you play soccer? And then everything you do shifts because now you're playing the long game, right? Now you're like, okay, I have to be optimized. I have to do all my basics right. I have to sleep. I have to sleep, but it's not negotiable because many people, in, including me in the entrepreneur space, in the beginning when I was stressed, I was like, it's all good. I don't need to sleep that well. I can power through it. It's fine. Over time, it's going to catch up. Right in the begin for a few months you can do it, but over time it's going to catch up. So you have to slow down to speed up and get the compounding results. The other thing I've been focusing a lot on lately is stress management, right? And meditation. And I've been seeing and hearing a lot of stories about stress is driving up autoimmune conditions, is driving up cancers in the body, and is just basically dysregulating the entire organism, which is us, right? Our bodies. And so um, that also for me ties into trauma and traumas I've had in the past and how do they show up and becoming more conscious of the thoughts that I'm having. And 90% of our thoughts are on autopilot, right? You don't know you're thinking about them because they're just like floating by. And there's networks in the brain where they go back and forth and back and forth and that thought provokes or evokes a, uh, an emotion. That emotion creates this hormones in your body and you feel a certain way. And so like the thought and the emotion goes up and down, over and over, and you're not even observing any of that, right? So it's becoming more aware and getting awareness of where my thoughts, my feelings, my body. Managing my stress levels has been a big one for me through meditation and just recognizing when I'm stressed. I I have some tools now in my arsenal that I can deploy on a short-term basis. I use uh, longevity supplements like everybody else. I eat really well. I exercise or I move. I take a walk every every day for at least 30 minutes. I'll exercise three or four times a week, um, sleep well. And then I have supplements that I have added on, which uh, there's many that I take, but you want to hit some key some key pathways with these supplements. You don't have to, I don't take 100, but I hit some very important pathways with the supplements that I take. And then I do some peptides periodically to enhance my longevity efforts as well. And yes, I'm going to do stem cells in the near future. I haven't done those yet, but I'm going to do those in the near future and exosomes. Um, And so it's just building on that, right? Getting good at what you're doing so you get compounding results and then building on that slowly over time. You don't have to do it all right now. You don't have to get a $100,000 stem cell injection right now. You got time, right? So uh, that's some of the ways I think about it. Also, I'm getting um, very interested in detecting things very early. So now there's tests that can detect a cancer before it's even stage one. So you can get it out of your body just like that, as opposed to finding out in a stage four and it's like wreaking havoc in your body, right? So uh, there are some, there are companies that do that and I'm going to go get that test done as well to get a good metric of where I'm at. So more preventative, but also thinking long-term and how to do this. That was awesome. If you want to achieve it, you first have to believe it. That's what it made me. I, I haven't thought about the longevity, the longevity world in that way. It really just starts with starting with the end in mind. We talk about this all the time in business. Like, what do you want to do with your business? Or what do you want to do with your podcast? It's like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, how long do you actually want to live? And then the question of what does your life look like at that age? And I think it's, something that's so in front of all of us. You see your parents and you see a lot of my actions today are because I see the actions of my parents and I'm like, I don't want that. So like, let me switch some of the variables. Um, 
love my parents, but I just want to be stronger, faster, sharper um, at the age that they're at. And I can start right now to get there. So I love how you put that. I'd love to discuss the differences between men and women in anti-aging and longevity. For both parties, what what seems to be the biggest struggle with men and then what seems to be the biggest struggle with women? You know, the, the data on this is very interesting. Men seem to, not seem to, the data indicates that men live a shorter life than women. So women live longer than men. However, it's very paradoxical because women are generally less healthy than men in older age. And researchers say, experts say maybe it's because of the hormonal shifts and the osteoporosis and when the hormones are going, you know, changing so rapidly during the time of menopause, it leads to more poor health for women at that time. But but over time, they, they do better for some reason. Um, and I think... Some of this I go back to looking at the data on, on the blue zones and others where men are so driven by a purpose. We got to get some shit done, man. Like we got to have a North Star go, if you got to go build a yard or build a fence in the backyard, we got to go build that fence. Like that consumes us, right? A friend of mine, his dad's retired, uh, reached out to me recently. He's like, dude, I was buying this new place and I put my dad in charge of the project. It took me about four months and I've never seen my dad happier. He was so, he was lit up every morning. He's like, this is what we're doing. That's the plan. And then I was like, did you buy the place? He goes, yeah. I'm like, so what's he doing now? He's like, oh, he's not happy anymore. So men seem to be driven by like, I got to get something done to show value to my family or what have you. Um, and women are just there. They're supporting everything. They're supporting the family. They're, they're more connectors. Um, that's also one of the reasons why people, researchers believe is because they're connecting. They're having the conversations and men tend to be loners. You've heard the story of grumpy old men, right? Or the same. My dad. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Getting him to play pickleball is like, I see the spark in him. And even when he was um, out here visiting, you mentioned he helped me put my my shed together. And then he helped in a couple other ways. And like I already have, like when he comes out to see uh, our newborn in a couple months, uh, some things that I have saved for him to help me out with. Um, and... It's interesting because my first thought was when you were mentioning the difference is in longevity, the practical side of it, like the actual age women live longer. Um, it's because they're givers, like they're they're constantly have they're giving to other people and they're they're doing things. Uh, and then men, as soon as it seems like they lose that purpose, it just goes off the deep end. Like my grandfather sat on like in a, in a chair and like watched sports and then just slowly just faded away because mm -hmm. it wasn't, he just didn't have any spark to, to keep him going. Um, it's, it's really sad. And it's one of the reasons that I'm so invested in community because that's what keeps me going every single day. Um, what are some other factors though? Like I always think of like mental health is a big thing nowadays. So what keeps what keeps men versus women, I think, outside of just that factor? Is there anything else that you can think of or that studies are showing? The In Japan, there is a blue zone there, which I visited in uh, 2019, in Okinawa. So I went there to go meet these, these super centenarians. Like I'm like, why are they living so long? Um, in Japan, what's very interesting is that these women typically tend to have groups. They're called moai. They're like four or five friends that are lifelong friends. And anything happens, positive, negative, they share their sorrows, they share their happiness. And so they meet a couple of times a week. So they've got the community sense going on. They've got a sense of belonging, a purpose. Um, so that's something that's separating the men versus the women because men typically don't tend to do that, especially as we get older. Here it's different because now we're doing men group, men's groups and you're doing community. Yeah, I'm interested to see like 50 years from now, eight to 100 years from now, because it is becoming a thing. Like, does it start changing that trajectory of like even just opening up and being allowed to open up? Because I'm, I'm interested in like you mentioned that community. In my mind, it goes like, do you need a community to find that purpose? That's like, because I find myself like even these conversations 
yes, I guess you can technically say this is community, but it's like one-on-one. When I think back to like my grandparents and just when I look at men and when they're aging, communication seems to dwindle in men versus in women. It's like I'm sending, even just like a little thing of like sending cards out. Like men don't do that. Like sending a birthday card out or sending a gift out. So little forms of communication. So I'm running around in circles here, but I'm, it's an interesting thing to me because this whole topic is something I'm invested in. And it makes me think that if you just communicate more as a man, you'll probably live longer. Like send a text, send a video, call somebody. Do you believe that to potentially be the case? Totally. Totally. I totally believe. And again, there's data on what are the key factors or key lifestyle habits that these all these blue zones have in common. Community is a big one, right? Purpose is a big one. For example, I was in Japan. I was interviewing a 92-year-old man and a 97-year-old woman. And there's a whole thing going on. They put it all together. And we were talking to translators. And I asked the woman, you're 97. Why do you wake up? What's going on? What's, what's getting you going in the morning? She goes, I want to be 100 because the town's going to celebrate me. The entire <laughs> town yeah. is going to celebrate. That's going to be the day of her, right? She, they're going to celebrate her. So her whole goal, her purpose is to, is to live to 100. And then there's the, all the community behind it, right? She wakes up in the morning and puts makeup on. And I'm like, why is she putting makeup on? In case somebody comes to visit. And I'm like, do, do people come to visit? She goes, her daughter goes, once in a while. But, you know, they're, they're looking forward to the day. They're having a good time. And they're building community in that way. Um, and it'd be very interesting for men, like for us, uh, how things change. You're right. I'm also very interested because I, in the last two years, being in men's group, I share things in men's group. I show up as authentic now. In the beginning, like my first two meetings, I was saying things and I was getting called out. They're like, that doesn't seem right. Like, or, is that the truth? Because you can sense when people are lying right? Or when they're hiding or when they're shifting on their seat. And now like the truth that I share is so authentic. Everybody feels that all of us share our truths. And I feel so connected to a group of men that I didn't know two years ago. And I tell them my darkest secrets, right? Of what's going on in my head. So to your point, I think the data, and also the challenge with human longevity is it takes so long to measure data, right? That's why all the studies are in rats because it's two years in and out, right? <laughs> you have the data. And so in 50 years, it'd be curious how things are. Yeah, I, I think that it's also going to be skewed. The data will be skewed because we're also creating tools, technologies, medicines that are going to just cause people to live longer, but not necessarily in my eyes, live longer. Like there's a difference between you reach a certain age and living. Yeah. And that's another thing that I, I want to inspire people to understand is like, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s right now, what you could potentially lose in the next decade or two decades or three decades if you don't act right now. And it's something that I, like you said, at 90, like I want to still be playing sports. And like, I just saw a 90 year old man finish a hundred miler like on social media. Dang. Yeah. Wild. My buddy sends this to me and it's just insane to see, but it's also not because I'm like, that's going to be me Mm -hmm. as long as I can prevent some of these other things. But you've mentioned like peptides, stem cells and some other things. I know some of the listeners might not understand what a peptide actually is. So before we kind of shift into uh, the last portion of this podcast, I really want to help listeners understand, okay, if they are looking at their nutrition, they are looking at their sleep, what are some of these things that, because we live in this new age, could potentially be helpful for them? So we'll start with peptides. Totally. So peptides are just very small proteins. They're like two to four groups. Um, When it's over 50, 50 of these chains together or 50 of these units together, it becomes a protein. But when it's small, it's just, that's what it's called. It's called a peptide. It's not a big protein yet. And so basically, proteins do all the work in our body. Everything that's done in the body, the workhorses inside our body is proteins. And so peptides are just small fragments of proteins that can do specific tasks within the body. And a lot of research has come from Russia, by the way, 
um, from uh, St. Petersburg, there is this uh, great researcher called, uh, I believe, Vladimir Kavinson. I believe that's his first name. But Dr. Kavinson has come up with, they've been doing these peptides for a long time, and they've <coughs> created different peptides to go after different things. Right? There is one that uh, increases the length of your telomeres. And telomeres, for anybody that knows or doesn't know, it's the, your DNA has these end caps of protective um, chromosomal material that when your cell divides, that end cap protects it, protects the DNA from being harmed. Because if the DNA gets harmed, then you could potentially have cancer. So it keeps the DNA intact, and when the cell divides, that material that's protecting it gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Uh, so by the time you've had about 50 divisions in the cell, it can't divide anymore because that material that's protecting it is gone. And so if you divide a cell anymore, there's risk of now the DNA being mutated. Anyway, so there's one peptide that increases the length of the, the chromos, the, the telomeres that are the end of your DNA. So that it presumably will give you more cell divisions, mm. which will keep you younger for longer, right? And so that's a famous one that a lot of people are doing. I've done it multiple times myself. I plan on keeping on doing. That one's called Epitalon for anybody that wants to try it out. If you had to try one peptide, I would do that for longevity, Epitalon. There's also other ones like GHKCU, which is more for your skin and hair. Um, it's called copper peptide. It's used in a lot of cosmetics topically to be applied to your skin, but you could also inject it, and I've done that before. So you could use that. Um, there's other ones that help your gut. There's other ones that help injuries. There's BPC-157. That's the one that's used for injuries. If you have, you sprain an ankle or you're, you're, you know, uh, something's hurting, um, then you can, or your knee's hurting, then you can inject that and it gets to work very, very quickly to calm down the inflammation and helps heal injured tissue. So again, there's different functions for different peptides. And this is like, you could spend a hundred thousand dollars just doing peptides alone. But for listeners, if you're very active, if you're running around and you're injuring your body a lot, then look at BPC-157. That's a good one to start with. If you're more interested in longevity, then look at Epitalon. If you're more interested in skin and hair, then look at GHKCU, for example, right? So that's the, the where I would start. Now, I just want to paint a picture, if I may, CJ, on what's coming in the next 10 or 20 years with longevity. We're at the cusp of, with, with AI as we've seen, um, we're at the cusp of some major technological revolutions in the health span and lifespan of individuals. And so what does longevity look like? In the future, maybe 10 to 15 years, it's not very far, 10 to 15 years, we're going to hit the point of longevity escape velocity, which means that for every year that you age, you have technologies to reverse your age by more than a year. So now you're reversing your year by more, you're reversing your age as you age and you're going further and further back. So people are now saying that you can choose to be the physical body you want to live in. Let's say CJ says, at, my, at 35, I was the most virile. I had the best body composition. I felt my best. That's where I want to live. You could reverse your age to live in a 35-year-old body and be 80 years old, right? And women, when I ask women this question, they always say 25 for some reason. But okay, 25. <laughs> that's the age, that's the body. Probably before they had kids. <laughs> and before they that's had kids. That's probably the answer. Yeah. Why? And so, so yeah, so you could live theoretically with the way science is going in two decades and possibly even less, probably in just 10 or 15 years, we might have the technology start reversing your age substantially, substantially. We can already do that now, but substantially. And there will be a mirror. Let's imagine there'll be mirrors that are going to scan you every morning. You wake up, you go brush your teeth. The mirror is going to scan you. It says, your pupils look a little different. Let me, let me do some testing. And like your whole home is going to test on you. All your biometrics are going to be connected and everything's going to be tested every single morning. So it's not like you're going to have cancer or stage four out of the blue. You're going to know everything about your body. And there's going to be big AI engines that are going to be recommending things to do. Hey, you didn't sleep so well last night. Let's take it easy today. You don't have to go look at a device. It's going to be coming at you, right? So I can keep going, but... This have you ever was... seen the movie The Terminator? Yeah. <laughs> They were so good with that movie because that's exactly where we're headed. Oh, yeah. Like, whether we like it or not, yeah. we, we, and I've had discussions, borderline arguments with people 
on this topic, but the reality is we're already machines because like how much time are you spending on your phone every day? Like we're one step away from that information being embedded in you. It, yeah. you're, you're already on it more than anything else that you're doing throughout that day. You, you're on your phone more than you talk to any other human being. You're looking at different data. You're looking at information and media. We are so close to not needing the phone. Eventually, it's just going to be somehow embedded at coming at us, just like you said, whether it's like in our glasses or in a contact. Um, so it's not if, it's when, just like you're saying. And when you're talking about the longevity thing, it, what's interesting to me is physically, so I'm 32 now, and because I've done some of the certain things that I've implemented in my life now, like I, I have thought back like, damn, if I could go back and play like college soccer right now, how good I, I would actually be. But I don't need to go back in time. Like I could literally, I don't have the, the skills anymore because I'm just not practicing it every day. Mm-hmm. But if, if I kept up with the skill, but had my body now, I would be much more efficient. And it's interesting because for me, what it really came down to was like nutrients, the different nutrients. And as soon as we understand blood work to the point where just like you were saying, you wake up and it's like, you're low in magnesium. Mm-hmm. We literally are, you're a, you're a robot at that point. Like you're just like, you're optimized every day. So I'm very interested in what the world looks like. And that's where I'm going to ask this last question before we get to wrapping up. What do you think the world will become in the 10 to 15 to 20 years when it comes to longevity. So you were mentioning what could happen, but what do you personally think? That's a great question. And then 10 years from now, we'll just come back to this and see if it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think the world, this is not the most positive outlook, but I think the world is going to be quickly divided into the haves and the have nots. And by that, I mean, it's not a racial thing. It's not even a money thing so much. So as much as do you have more processing power? Can you do more than others? Can you use the tools like the AIs to improve output? We're going to, Elon Musk is about to launch Neuralink, right? And just imagine that. Let's imagine it's working perfectly. People that have Neuralink installed in their brain versus the people that don't. It's like a kid that went to, went to private school, private college, went to Yale, right? Or Harvard. And then there's a kid from the Brazilian favela. And they both get told, you got to start a business today. Who's going to win? It's not even close, right? If you have all the finger t- all the data at your fingertips and your, your brain is computing at near It's just processing power. power. It's just yeah, processing. It's so you, fast. You have everything at your disposal, right? Hey, I need to write a quick email. What's a good, what's a good um, hook? Boom. Hook's right there. You don't have to think about it for 20 minutes. It's right there. And so, so the world is going to be into have and have not. So we've got to make one big decision on are we going to be on the side of technology and that includes 3D robots in your body that are going to tell you magnesium is low. That includes chips embedded in your body. If you're hesitant about the vaccine, like the future is all going to be inside of you, right? And you don't know what these things are doing. You got to take a leap of faith at some point. So the future is very digital. The future is things embedded inside you. Maybe not like a, a titanium arm. I would not want to go that far, though there are people that wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't want to go that far. I want to be organic human. Uh, a 3D robot in there that's measuring mineral levels, I'd be okay with. So the future is, is we're going to have a, we're going to have devices embedded in us, like at least from the Neuralink standpoint. Um, we're going to have 3D things, 3D robots inside of us that everything's being measured. Everything's being, there are sensors everywhere, like our weight. Um, the mirror is going to be smart. It's going to know everything. And you're going to have up-to-date information on your body. And, and you're going to just live perfect health, in perfect health. If you don't get hit by a bus, you're going to live in perfect health. You're not going to age one day. You're going to stay at 35 until it's your time to go when, who knows when that is going to be. Wow. Such an interesting way to look at the future. And then if you turn on the news, we're talking about all this hoopla. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. This is why I do what I do because um, my head is spinning on like, what what nanobot would I allow into my body? It's just like, man, if you could if you could put a little robot into my body to just allow me to eat anything I want without a fear of like the repercussion, 
that's why it's like in business or in life, it's like, who are you selling to? If you, if you find that right person, like they're going to be willing to buy. But if you told me like, I'm going to put a nanobot in you to do X, Y, Z, I'm like, nah, fuck that. That's never going to (laughs) happen. Right. But then you're like, oh, you can eat whatever you want and you're not going to have to think about the toilets where they are. I'm like, all right, maybe I'm going to consider this. Just like in the beginning, (laughs) you're considering that pill that was going to have a massive impact. Um, I've loved this conversation so far. Um, yeah, it, just thank you for spending time and and giving to our audience all the information that you provided. Uh, in the wrap up, we dive into what is it that you're working on right now? So spend a minute or two talking about that. And then who would be a great fit to connect with you or potentially be a customer of yours? Totally. So I spend most of my time, as as you know, I've got a podcast called Anti-Aging Hacks where I interview a lot of experts in health, wellness, longevity, and CJ is going to come on shortly. We're going to record after. Um, I also, the other hustle that I have going on or the other business that I have going on is my e-commerce business where we sell physical products to help mainly women to help them get thicker and fuller and longer hair. And... <clears throat> These, the, the reason women are attracted to these products is they're vegan, they're natural, and they work with your body. Uh, with men, at least, uh, with extreme hair loss, I know that uh, I went, tended towards a pharmaceutical that could save me all the heartache. Um, but women love using our products because they're completely natural. And, and what we do differently is we stimulate the hair follicles in four different ways. And that's what makes us different is because there's something for the inside that's balancing your body from the inside. There's a serum that we use on the scalp, and then we use two different ways to stimulate your, your scalp as well to grow hair. Now, who's my perfect, who do I want to meet or who's my perfect customer? Any woman that's 35 to 60, 65 years old, that's maybe thinning or losing hair um, and is not feeling so good about herself, we can certainly help. And uh, so try us out. Go to fullyvital.com and to get our products and we have a 120 day 120 day money back guarantee because i'll tell you hair loss is complex we don't uh, say that we're going to solve every problem but we have a great uh we have great results with the people that are using it that stick to it for at least 90 days um, and people that i want to meet uh, entrepreneurs health and wellness experts like yourself cj and others in the space people that are building companies people that are chasing their passion that wake up inspired to do something new or change the world in a positive way. I love that. And if somebody heard you here today and would love to connect with you personally, how do they find you and connect with you? Totally. So you can find me on Instagram at anti-aging hacks and shoot me a DM there. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well, not on Twitter, but those are the three ones. Anti-aging hacks on, on Instagram, Facebook, just look for my name for Oz Khan. And um, what else did I say? Facebook, Instagram. Not Twitter. Not Twitter. <laughs> and LinkedIn. You can find me yet with my first and last name too. Yeah. Awesome. Last question we always ask everybody. If you were to define thriving, how would you define it? I think as an entrepreneur, for me, it's all about growing. Thriving for me is, are you growing in a certain facet of your life? Whatever you choose to dedicate a lot of your time and energy too. And so if I'm growing every single day, I'm excited, I'm ready to show up. And to me, that equals thriving. Because long enough time frame, the thriving is going to go bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's not. I heard this quote the other day, Alex Ramosi. It's not about winning. It's about outlasting. I love plays Alex Ramosi. In, plays into longevity. Totally. It's literally like if you try to win the race today, if I eat really healthy today, it's not going to fucking matter. No. But how do I outlast other people? Probably eat well 90 to 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. The one or two days that you don't eat well, it's not really going to matter. Just focus on the outlasting and what aligns with that. And that's where like two big takeaways here today. I love your four, the, the, the list of four that you had. Can you describe that one so, more time? Yeah. So the four basics that you got to get down, get right for longevity is you got to sleep right. You got to eat right, eat whole foods. I don't care what diet you follow, that's fine. Just eat whole foods that are not found in the middle of the grocery store, right? Uh, As they're found in nature. 
um, take care of your mental stress, and you got to exercise. So those are the four key things. If you get right, then you can start to build your longevity onion and add on more tactics. Um, so that's the four that I really go back to over and over. And then on top of that, going to the conversation of men versus women and the age that they are deceased, community, connection. So my big takeaways were just keeping it simple. I've mentioned this a million times here on this podcast because, again, I live in the world of marketing and social media, and they will tell you to get everything under the sun. And sometimes you'll see me market red light, sauna, supplements, IVs. These are things that are supplemental to the four things that Faraz is talking about here on top of I'm very community and connection oriented. I've built communities that are over hundreds of people multiple times and I've focused heavily on that because one, it brings joy to my every single day, but two, I know that that's the key for my longevity and for me feeling that vitality that I feel each and every day on top of the four things that you would describe. So I really loved how you broke those down in this conversation and it just is a reminder to me to just double down and keep going in that path and on that path and helping others do the same. Um, If you like this podcast here today, please share it with somebody. That's the best thing you can do for both Faraz and I is share it with somebody that you think this could have an impact on. We're sharing knowledge here to help other people grow and thrive on life. It's my big mission. I really want to help get our guests out into the world and help more people. That's why we do this. So share it with somebody. Last but not least, please give us that five-star rating and review. I will chat with you next time. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life Podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.